technology shapes business. But what's the impact on the chief information officer? And what's the impact on the CFO and also that relationship? Bill Briggs, tell us about Deloitte and tell us about your role as the global chief technology officer. Deloitte, 175 year anniversary this year, as you said, biggest professional services firm in the world. We help our clients across the globe, public, private sector, solve the biggest problems. So just think of it as helping imagine, deliver, or run the future. Uh, and it could be consulting where I spend my time or tax or audit financial advisory services. And by the way, you need all those to come together to really be able to affect the kind of change that's possible um, today. So my role, I, I lead our emerging technology you know, research, like with Tech Trends is a flagship piece we do every year. It's the 11th year that we've done that. I also own our broader incubation agendas, so the places we're investing with our clients, for our clients, to make sure we're ready on Horizon Next, Horizon Beyond. Uh, so anything from you know, cloud and AI and those significant investments to the things a little bit more in the future, like our blockchain and quantum and the like. Um, and with that, I spend, I have teams around the globe and you know, driving the sensing, the shaping and the in the incubation, the innovation, I also spend almost all of my time in the market with clients, just kind of helping shape their strategy. And you've just released this report, and it, it's a it's a very big document. Give us a sense of the kind of ground that you cover in the report, and 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 why did you choose these topics? The tech trends when we started, the mission was this: look, eighteen to twenty four months out, and anything we talk about, we wanted to make sure it wasn't just the technology, but it was how it's being applied you know, inside the enterprise, in the market, in industry. So the rule is they all have to have real client examples we can point to, you know, real industry luminaries that can it can make it real. Um, and so that, that hasn't changed 11 years later. Uh, what's been great is to see the audience, you know, 11 years ago, it was for a CIO, it was for a tech exec. Uh, and that was the, 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 the extent of it, really. And it was help make sure they're conversational to confident to driving the right investments. You know, fast forward to today, and you can say the pace of change is increasing. What I like about the report is it helps make what seems like an unknowable future a little bit more known. Uh, but also the audience has shifted from the CIO and the CTO and the tech exec. They're still hugely important. We'll talk about that evolving role, right? But it's, it's as much time with the CXO suite and the CEO and the board because you know, every company is a technology company. The question becomes, how do you make sense of all the change happening and have confidence where you invest and what do you do? So you know, that's really the intent of the report goes deep. And so if someone wants to really just you know, dig into the future of digital twins and the future of architecture, and you know, that, that certainly is a way you can read it, but it's really meant to be a broader, let's, let's make sure that it has context, that it resonates in with the business, you know, in with the agency lead for public sector, and the, and the tone and the note is one of, it, of, of hope and, and helping spark ambition um, because there's so much opportunity. It's just a question of, you know, what do we do? What are some of the key issues or, or trends that you've covered in the report? Each chapter is a different trend. Um, there's a through line narrative about how they have to come together. You know, no individual trend is enough. The tension that we feel is that if a tech trends report is supposed to be in some way full of novelty, you know, there's some expectation for a shiny object parade of things I haven't heard of, thought of, 
uh, invested in before. And that is a it's fundamental tension with that. And if I'm with a board, a C-suite with a line of business leader, the things that matter most to their agenda today might not be the same things that would be the, the shinier objects on that parade. So what we've done is said, hey, the first and the last chapter are a bit of a Let's take a look back, almost step back and look across. So the first chapter is basically saying the pattern we can see across you know, all the trends that we feature over 11 years and all the work we do to track thousands of emerging technologies, here's the big things that matter and how they play together. And the words that are going to be familiar for the audience here, but you know, what is the through line between cloud and AI and blockchain and and digital reality, you know, into risk and block and core modernization. How do they come together? So the first chapter is the if I'm with a more business audience, it's typically all I'll use to say, here's the big things you should care about that matter the most. The last chapter is the other bookend that says, and let's light up the horizon next, horizon beyond, the people we have across the globe with startups and with academia. So it's almost a much broader lens of probably a little bit more on that novelty scale of things that are coming that, that might matter. And the whole point of it is, how do you have confidence what you should do today? Uh, so I like those two chapters as, as one theme of there's a lot of knowns that we can have confidence to invest in, and we have to have an approach to sense and shape and make sense and invest on what's coming next, kind of grounded today. That's one big takeaway. Give me a couple of examples. In the first chapter, we have the macro, we call them the macro forces, the big tech forces that matter more than any, kind of up to today and looking forward. And so one of the client stories that we highlight is what FedEx has done, bringing those together in their operations and is explored new businesses. Uh, and it's, it's really powerful to see how it's not one of those individual pieces that's the dominant. It's easy to say it's the age of fill in the blank. It's the age of cloud, it's the age of AI, it's the age of you know, soon to be quantum. But the real story is how they've had to go through the core modernization journey, their data story, how they've applied advanced AI into a digital twin of their entire, you know, the physical bits moving, the, the operational bits, um, and how that all comes together. And the point of not, none of those individual investments would be sufficient, and none of those individual technologies can form the strategy, right? And I think that's the theme here of ingredients are really important to have confidence and what you might want to, but the recipes are what matters full stop. And that's it. How does the technology dimension layer on top of this, as opposed to the business strategy dimension? You have to have the depth that has to, to make sure that you're executing on, you know, and take cloud and AI and cyber is just three of the major forces that, that are highlighted here. The, the level of nuance on you know, what's the right way to implement them in 2020 and how do they come together, that's a piece that has to be there front and center and, and, and is there front and center. I think the interesting thing is, uh, you know, I'm a computer engineer that did an MBA over the, over, the, over the years because I wanted to round out my background. As a technologist, you know, I'd always tell my teams, my teams would always tell me, we've got to speak the language of the business. What's interesting is, the flip side is becoming increasingly real that the business has to speak the language of technology at a much deeper level than uh, a flyby. Uh, you know, I read an article, we listened to a fantastic podcast, and now we're, we're heads full of buzzwords and let's go and 
be irresponsible. Like this interesting push for CEOs to say, my team has to be tech savvy. My board has to be tech savvy. Uh, and so that plays out in these stories as well. How does a business or a board gain the expertise in technology that you're describing? Almost always, you know, one, there has to be this broader mandate to say it's important. And a CIO can help champion it, but they can't make that a reality. So the best stories we've seen have strong CEOs that have really taken this as a mantra, right? We're going to build the bank that the tech companies would build, and therefore we're going to transform. And we highlighted Capital One story a few years ago. They're, they're one of those. The, the, how do you, you got to look at it. It's not a agenda item on the fall board meeting. Uh, that that's not having me come in and spend three hours and have a rousing discussion does not tech savviness uh, tech fluency make right. It's a programmatic. How do we build a culture that we have? Some some folks call them digital academies. Some folks call them tech colleges. It's uh, it's this commitment for continuous learning into and across you know from the executive team down to the line, uh, and it becomes a part of this culture of not just doing digital or doing random acts of digital, but actually becoming digital, becoming more tech centered in their strategy. So it's, you know, the, the programmatic aspect of the culture shift is huge here. And it will be a mix of, you know, having it be a sustain you know, every time that the executive team comes together, there is a tech savvy moment that they're lighting up something that's happening that they didn't know about. It's going to be some more classroom based activity and not maybe in the physical classroom, but some curriculum that's being defined. It could also be as extreme as one of our clients that we need every one of our executive team and line of business leaders, like effectively the management committee, they all have to go through a cloud boot camp, hands on keyboard, you know, and they're not writing extensions to TensorFlow, <laughs> but, but they're understanding how these pieces have to come together and doing it themselves, which is really powerful. And typically it triggers a whole different level of conversation about what could we do next. Is becoming digital synonymous with becoming with executives becoming tech savvy, it's a piece. When you have functional leaders, when you have BU leaders that have been in the role for a while, uh, th there are some biases. There are some experiences they've had around technology, and this gets to a little bit of the future of the IT organization, the CIO. Like, how do you help spark the the the, the understanding of what's possible, you know, with technologies today and technologies tomorrow? And what we found a lot of success, we've invested in greenhouse labs to bring together with, with a lot of demo and show, not tell, but then active facilitated discussions to start saying, hey, what would we do in an unconstrained world to either directly compete with your core business or to identify unmet needs that you, you, you just don't, they've existed for so long, you just accept them as constraints that are forever going to be here. And how could we potentially... Uh, challenges orthodoxies with this combination of technologies. The other piece is we have a team around the globe. We call it our catalyst group. And I love the word catalyst. My dad was a chemical engineer, right? We want to amplify and accelerate a reaction without being consumed therein. That's a hell of a mantra. So I, I, I like that. Uh, but it's really, it's the combination of the ecosystem, startups, and in some cases, VCs and academia with our clients, you know, where they have either a business problem or they have a market opportunity that they're, they're, they're circling and we'll bring them to Tel Aviv and do four days of, you know, a series of not shark take pitches of we want you to invest in us, but 
here's potential ingredients that you can apply to a recipe that really is going to matter uh, in your in your world. And we do that across around the globe. And you know that's a really powerful mix. You know, with some of their established alliance partners and our alliance partners as well. It's not always just a startup, but just to spark the new idea of what what could be possible. We have another very good question from Arsalan Khan. Yeah. Which is better, a tech-savvy CEO or a business-first CIO? And how do you cultivate this culture change? I hope we see more tech-savvy CEOs that rose from the ranks of being a business-savvy CIO to start with. I think that that's a future we're uh, approaching. I think that either one by themselves does not transformation make. And so you say, which one's more important? You know, typically, if you have a tech-driven CEO that has a, a vision for really being bold, uh, they'll either have a CIO that's ready to take on that charter or they're going to be looking for one soon to fill that rank, you know, and, and, and that's just a, you know, so the, the tech savvy CEO that has the, the, the gumption, the passion, the courage to drive for real change is going to help enable whoever's in the post of the tech executive to succeed. Flip side, the business savvy CIO, we're seeing the most important characteristics of, of the tech exec of the future to be ability to influence and drive organizational change. And, you know, so th that could be enough to start driving up the ranks to get support and sponsorship. I just know a lot of my friends and colleagues and clients that are business savvy CIOs that haven't given, been given the reins to do what they think is the right thing for the organization to do, which is really drive this tech-based transformation. It's hard without that executive mandate and sponsorship to make it real. What does all of this mean for CIOs today? We do a biannual, what you used to call the CIO survey, and now we're calling it the, the Global Tech Exec Survey. Uh, and we, we have these three archetypes that have been in place now throughout that research, and they're derived. We don't ask individual executives to self-describe themselves. It's basically a combination of their priorities and what they're being incented, measured behind, and, and the like. But we found a few years ago that the trusted operator archetype, which is the historical, the CIO, responsibly managing capital, reliability um, is, is the prime, you know, keep, keep lights on, keeps train running. That, that has to happen, but it's becoming more of an output of the function. And, and frankly, the, the platforms and the architecture and the tooling and the, the automation is not the, the reason for existence anymore. Last time we did this survey, we found a significant shift into this second archetype, which is the change instigator, which is more than the seat at the table um, CIO cliche. It was more of the you know, one that's actively helping shape agenda. And uh, what we found this last, and we, and we have 1,300 execs. Most of them are tech execs. We also asked CEOs and some CFOs and CMOs and CXOs. The, the Dominant voice now is saying, we need someone to stand up and help actually instigate this change. And the predominant desire from, especially the CEOs and the chairmen, chairwomen we talked to, say, we, we want it to be the CIO, to be the one that's actually, it, it doesn't mean they're the one that, you know, all the operations, everything reports into them, but you're seeing this convergence of IT and, and OT and product technology and you're seeing this desire to say, we need to do more 
to take advantage of this incredible amount of disruption happening around us. Um, and the CIO having the chance to kind of fill that void. And, and the flip side, we're seeing so many new titles being created because they're not getting that out of their tech executive today. So be it the digital officer, the innovation officer, the growth officer. I, I saw one that was the chief troublemaker officer, which was meant to be the chief disruption officer, I guess. Fine. But I think those are, you know, that, that has to come together and say there's someone ideally reporting into the CEO who owns the true north of, you know, how do we imagine a tomorrow that's likely going to be largely technology-based? How is it possible for any one person to possess the deep kind of uh, business innovation and cultural change skills you're describing and be the tech expert, especially across the range of different technologies, even such as you described in your report? This idea that the curiosity and the ability to influence not just the change around them, but the team that they're building with them is huge. And this increasing, another finding in the report, the Tech Trends report and the Tech Exec report, is the increasing importance of ecosystems to create coverage across that map. Because you can't, you can't roll it all yourself and do it all alone. Um, you know, the beauty is the, the operational challenges that we're seeing, we're seeing the role shift away from, those, the, the realities are still there. I mean, the, the, there's still the underlying operational discipline that has to be in place. The promise and a bit of what the architecture chapter this year's trends report talks about is we want to move it from the heroics of a lot of individuals and the mindshare of the technology executive, the technology leader, into it's the fabric of you know, the autonomics we put in place to manage the pipeline and life cycle of the tech deployment, right? That, that, so, so shifting it from what someone's doing, to it's a part of how people work and they inherit the tools, the patterns, the policies, the templates, the controls, the, those, those all are becoming, and this isn't saying that we're removing people, we're saying we're allowing the, the emphasis to shift kind of up, up stack um, technically and metaphorically, right? You hit on the challenge of if I've grown up and all I've been incented to do is keep my costs structured down, keep my traditional operationally oriented SLAs in the green, uh, it, it's hard to see a different path. Now, the, the flip side, we've seen that it's not like individual CIOs can't make the journey if they've given the, if they're empowered to do it and they have the passion and the will. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not trying to trivialize it. it. We're in a really interesting transitionary period now. I wonder how many CIOs, just how many people out there in the workforce are able to adopt these two very different kinds of positions. What I find more of is, is less the, I, wow, what we're describing here seems unattainable. And it feels more of, there's a lot of tech executives that want to rise to this challenge and they don't have that sponsorship. You know, there's a handful of the organizations they have the CEO level mandate of, you know, we're going to change and point to the moonshot and and away we go. You know, the the, the more common I find is you know, there's there's a desire to do something different, but we're still operating incrementally from how we've always thought about. And we'll talk to the CFO relationship, the budgeting cycle, the expected return on the investment, the continuous uh, squeeze on overall tech spend in the, in the field that if as long as it's going down, we're doing something right, right? Um, and, and so how do we find, and typically for a big, like our clients are larger organizations, private and public sector, 
the easier path is to find uh, a willing co-conspirator in one of the businesses and one of the functions and one of the geographies that's willing to take on kind of the fully realized form of what this would look like and prove that it can work. Uh, and then if you don't have the luxury of that executive level mandate you know, coming down from high, you actually inspire because others look and say, I want some of that. How the heck did we create that new experience, new product, new enterprise process, whatever it is? You know, it's so different than what we had before. It was delivered in such a different way. It's delivering much more impact and value, employer customer facing, my gosh. You know, and then that starts to become a self-fulfilling. Is the optimal ideal CIO a technologist or a business person, or should we just not be making that distinction? I think in a few years, the question of are you a technologist or a business person is going to be irrelevant full stop. Like we're already seeing teams organize around products or capability, and they're being asked to do what traditionally would have been a business analyst or a QA or developer engineer type roles and they're kind of doing pieces of all. So, you know, over time, hopefully that question becomes, you know, but I think a techn- someone with a deep technology background and, and that passion to you know, eat tech crunch for breakfast, to be relevant, to stay, you know, with some healthy cynicism, by the way, the, the vice chair of J&J was one of the other voices in that opening chapter of Tech Trends. And he had a great, not a technologist, uh, himself, but owned all the technology investment and saying, I want folks to be excited about uh, how do we harness tech, but also we need to maintain a healthy cynicism so that we're not just chasing waterfalls and empty promises. And, you know, so the deep technologists that can stay relevant, but also kind of quickly translate it into the so what and look beyond what we do today and what we could do tomorrow, that's the sweet spot. And, and I think that's what business becomes. Why is the CFO role so important when we're talking about technology? Every year, we seem to expand the definition of what the future of the tech op and work delivery model looks like. So Agile was the business and tech coming together. And then we talked about DevOps, so the run and build organizations coming together. And then we threw security, became the bottleneck. So we said DevSecOps, and how does that come together? The, the chapter is looking at you know, finance as a function. Is, is one of the things that's becoming an inhibitor in being able to drive a, a broader innovation agenda. And why is that? Well, we're used to highly dogmatic annual budgeting cycles. We're used to some pretty fierce IRR, ROI returns that we expect on capital deployment. And we don't have a very nuanced horizon lens in making bets that might be more speculative, but could have a bigger payoff, but there's less certainty in, in, in handling that portfolio you know, mindset. Within technology, we did a survey, an astoundingly small percentage of tech leaders said that there's a formal business case as they drive tech investment, and an astoundingly less number that actually went back and had the rigor to report out on the performance of the investment after the fact. You know, so, so IT has been a, a bit flippant in how much we treat IT as a business and the investments we're making as business investments. So the, the, the idea that, hey, the CFO is the one that's managing capital deployment. We need to shift the mindset and say, listen, capital is a constrained resource, and we think we can maximize the return on that capital by having more investment in technology. 
but allowing us to have a mechanism for portfolio investment into horizon futures and to allow us to have more of the budget defined by these product teams that are really completely tied into market demand and not, not having it be fixed to an annual project cycle that I couldn't predict where it would go in nine months. And I have you know, 100 meetings to get approval to go after something where the market's already moved. So this idea that how do we get more agility in the, in the way we fund the tech investments in the future, a different mindset to the potential returns over horizons. And then there's a specific piece which might seem hyper tactical, but how do we access different funding models? Very front and center for CFOs, you know, the hyperscalers in cloud will help subsidize some of the migration move today. You can do consortium models to have co-investment across potential competitors in areas that could be really creative for you. You have co-investment models for folks like Deloitte, where we'll actually help develop IP and bring it to market together. So all of those kind of come together on the CFO-CIO relationship. I don't, it wasn't always contentious, but it wasn't, they didn't look at each other as kind of, how do we together transform the enterprise? That just wasn't typically the dynamic of the relationship. It increasingly needs to be that now. On both sides, it sounds like there's significant uh, skill set change, evolvement, as well as culture change. And maybe can you summarize for the CFO and for the CIO, what are the skill sets that need to evolve? For the CFO, this tech fluency discussion we have been talking about, they need to be a champion of this broader tech-enabled transformation you know, mission and story. Because ultimately, they're the ones that sign off on acquisitions and capital deployment and the like. So, so that is important across the C-suite. It's especially important for the CFO. And given not a lot of CFOs have a tech background, what a great chance for a CIO to come at that relationship and say, hey, I want to help up your game sounds a little too pedant. Like that's not the, the the tone, but help us, you know, so we're confident and we're making the right investments across. I think that's a huge piece of it. Uh, and then some of these things in the finance function, like how do we actually implement the controls that we need? to allow capital to be more agilely deployed, but without letting the rigor that needs to be there go aside, you know, or into this. So there's, we break it down into some maybe more uh, hand-waving uh, strategic areas, and then some very tactics within finance, within IT. Here's changes that we're seeing leading organizations make that add up to this broad opportunity. How do CIOs go about learning the ins and outs? You talked about the importance of funding models. Yeah. For many CIOs who grew up in technology and who now, by the way, you're asking to shift to be culture change drivers. Do you have dedicated finance controllers and folks doing contract management and procurement? Probably, yeah, if you're a CIO. How do you measure those individuals? And typically, it's very siloed within their individual function capability. Some of the most important resources you'll have on the future technology team will be folks that today we'd call them relationship manager or vendor manager or contract manager or procurement lead. But the mindset becomes, how do we partner differently? How do we co-invest differently? How do we, you know, so that's an easy, typically one that CIOs control. And it just shifts the sourcing discussion from I'm going to squeeze the cost outlay as, as, as tightly as I can to, I want to maximize the return 
in, in not in a hypothetical way, the actual capital return we're going to get from this investment the best we can. You know, and and by the way, those individuals, they're they're acting like they do today because that's exactly what they're being asked to do and they're incented to do. And a lot of them would love to have a much more strategic role. So I think those those things add up to some real change. And, and maybe a little bit more digestible than suddenly you got to wake up tomorrow and be a finance expert on top of uh, a change instigator and <laughs> everything else we've been saying. And thus the crucial importance of developing a partnership relationship with the CFO. Yeah, for sure. You know, this ecosystem model, you, know, you think macro forces of technology change is really important, but this blurring of the boundaries that have existed inside and outside organizations, I think is almost as important. So we talked before about the blurring line between the business and the technology org. I think I, met, I said in passing, you know, a lot of you know, more industrial products, um, folks that have a strong distribution and, and logistics component, you know, they have OT separate than IT, separate than product technology, especially with the digital ambitions they have. Like those, those boundaries are dangerous. I mean, they're actually holding back the potential collaboration. Um, and then in this idea of, you know, it, what do we own? And historically it was, you know, competitive advantages by us stockpiling IP and stockpiling scale. And this shift to this idea of, you know, the, the edge matters, the flows matter, and how do we maximize potential outside of our corporate boundaries, outside of our, our four walls. It, that, that all... That's the future, you know, you say recipe for success, that's it. We have another very good question from Andy Golden on Twitter. And he makes the point that the dynamic of the P&L versus the balance sheet is a big discussion across on-prem versus SaaS, quote unquote, investments. And another point of contention between the CIO and the CFO. Yeah, and you see a model of uh, some organizations having more of the technology spend and even the way it's, it's actually structured closer to the P&Ls where you have capacity-based funding models that are basically agreeing on key performance indicators that they are tied directly to their business. And so the, the investment justification is exactly measured in P&L concerns. And those same organizations say, and there's some things that will be on the cost center balance sheet that we use subsidy models and the fact that we're not going to actually allocate costs or we're going to give uh, some funding kicker behind investments you take to help us with the broader center-based priorities. Like that actually is a powerful mechanism to get a lot of things done too. So it's, it's spot on uh, and it could be a conflict or it could be a vehicle for driving some of this change. And obviously one of the things implied by, by what you're saying is that to the ex extent that the CIO becomes familiar and understands thoroughly these various types of financial models, relationships, and the nature and how they bind the ecosystem together. And the, C the CFO obviously can be a partner in, in that, but the more sophisticated the CIO is, obviously the better. Yeah. And you see the value they can create inside of the boardroom and inside the that executive team, it goes up at a time when it's desperately needed. Bill, what advice do you have for CIOs to remain relevant and successful today? I tease the closing chapter of, of Tech Trends, which, by the way, the report's out, uh, available to download 
there's app version. So that's, that's one to go and dig into. It's a media report. Like you said, the last chapter talks about this idea of horizon next. And I almost use shorthand how do you industrialize your innovation uh, process? And so how intentional are you on sensing and sense-making and driving these incubation type activities, but with an eye to scale, not an eye toward perpetual pilots and concepts being proven that don't add up to anything. So I think there's one bit of that and almost every organization I've seen is partnering to do that with an ecosystem, not doing it themselves completely because it's just impossible. But with that, there's this, the, the CIO, the tech exec of the future can be the one that is projecting the confidence that even though there's so much happening, we can get our arms around it and translate the what's and there's so many what's, you know, into the, into the what's that matter. So the filtering mechanism of don't let the noise and the cacophony overwhelm, uh, but then be the one that's the translation engine from that, the what to the so what in, in the org and, and be the one that's the voice of, and that so what is on the positive sense. And it's the so what on the, Hey, this topic does not, you know, for us, it doesn't make sense to invest or it's not ready yet or, you know, that healthy skepticism. So it's not just wild eyed hyperbole and evangelism, right? But be that, that leader that, that the organization looks at, you know, and help spark the, you know, the movement of this tech fluency, tech savviness across the broader business. Cause the more partners in crime, partners in advocacy, partners in, and believing in, what tech means to you know the business, the future, the business model, future industry, the better chance you have to actually execute real change. And every tech exec I know, what makes them most excited is taking all of this from hyperbole and rhetoric and actually hitting go and making an impact. So um, the time is right and it's ours. <laughs> all right, that was very inspiring. Bill, thank you very, very much for, for being here with us today and sharing your, your great expertise. It's a pleasure. Always happy to be here. Everybody, we've been speaking with Bill Briggs. He is the Global Chief Technology Officer of Deloitte. And next week, we're speaking with the Chief Marketing Officer of AT&T Business. Thanks so much for watching. Before you go, please subscribe on YouTube and hit the subscribe button at the top of our website to subscribe to our newsletter. Thanks so much, everybody. And I hope you have a great day. Bye-bye.